Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I know this has been a, a disappointing uh, evening for you, but Pats Nation, your fans, they've stuck with you through thick and thin social media. They still love you. Do you have a message for the fans who are so supportive of you and the team? We love our fans. <laughs> we love our fans. <laughs> that was like the most desperate like interview question I've ever I felt I felt embarrassed for that woman she was so into it though if you haven't watched this we're talking about the Pat's press conference where a lady who I'm sure is a very nice individual asked every single uh, Patriots player and coach uh, if they had a message for Pat's nation but when Belichick was up there she had to ask him you know they've stuck with you through thick and thin it was where's the thin when, I don't get the thin well, that's exactly what Belichick said thin, I mean, those thin is like only the 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 texture the thickness of the garment that was worn in Florida about this time last year that's that's it everything other than that has been thick in that in that franchise and their fan base can you imagine thinking that fan base needs anything at this point well also they're they're so good to their fan base in general. Like Brady is not like closed off. He's right, right. incredibly outgoing as far as like giving the fans content and stuff like that. And so is Belichick despite trying not to. So I don't know. That was the funniest thing that came out of that. The whole Brady conversation um, that followed it was not nearly as interesting. Right. But that press conference was great. I think Brady is staying with the Patriots 100%. Oh, see, I well, my thing was, is I never had given it that much thought until last night. And then for some reason, somebody must have bugged Romo with it because it was the whole time. And that well, was because it could have been his last game in Foxborough. So they were ready for it. I see what you're saying. OK, but even they, if they had won, even if they had won. But then that but that was just it was so thick last night. and It got me thinking about it. Wasn't it wasn't thin. Yeah. <laughs> and so so you think he's going somewhere else. I don't I don't know. I mean, but if you're the if you're the Patriots or you're Brady, right? McDaniel might be gone. Uh that offense is it's not a quick fix, right? They they need a tight end. They need a field stretching wide receiver. Edelman don't take any wide receiver. Yeah, actually. Edelman is not a spring chicken anymore. They gave up a second round pick for Sanu already, right? Their second round pick next year are already busted. Yeah, you know what I'm good. saying, and then they're not good at identifying wide receiver wide receiver talent anyway, right? Like if they, this is a great draft for wide receivers, and Belichick has shown uh, he's great at everything except for drafting wide receivers, it appears. So if I'm Brady, like the only thing that appeals to me about the Patriots is the challenge of having to resurrect the franchise again, and at that age, I just don't know if that's appealing to him. Well, so the option would then be to go somewhere with McDaniel's. Right. Yeah, for sure. But, but none of the places with a quarterback vacancy right now are, you know, are appealing at all. None of them are. So the question is, could he go into a place? And I'm thinking of Dallas. Like if he says, hey, I want to go to Dallas. Did they just kick Dak Prescott to the side and he and, and Josh McDaniel walk in there? And because I don't see that happening. I think Dak is too good for that. I mean, 
you know, it's not and, about Dak. It's about Jerry Jones. Yeah, but but the well, yes, and you'd have to be convinced if you're Jerry Jones, having not won a Super Bowl since January of 1996, that you know Brady's going to get me one Super Bowl before I die, and you know all this kind of stuff, and, and like new coach, new quarterback. That's not a recipe for a Super Bowl. So I don't really. I mean, I think Barry Switzer's the le- like. Well, Barry Switzer had to take it till his second year to you're get a Super Bowl. You're telling me that if Tom Brady calls up Jerry Jones and says, "Hey, Jerry, listen here, buddy." I'm bringing my my guru, Josh. We're bringing the Patriot way to Dallas. We're going to get you a Super Bowl. But what would that require on Jerry Jones's part? That would require some acquiescence to the Patriot way, which has always, always, always been his issue. But it sounds good to him. I'm saying that all he has to do is buy in before the season starts. I'm not saying it's going to go well. I'm just saying that would be something. But I, that, but you know, like that's the, like the reason that Jason Garrett hung around for so long was because he well, adhered to the well, <laughs> and he had he, he had the tapes. He had the tapes, and he <laughs> apparently gave the tapes over this afternoon when he agreed to be fired. Do you think they're safe? <laughs> they're somewhere. It's just like here's the code. Well, because I so we were saying this during the game when we were we were working the game today. It's like I actually don't. I actually can understand it from Garrett's perspective. If you have a, a contract for a few more years, then be like, oh, you know, go ahead, fire me. I'm still going to get paid no matter what. But if your contract's expiring, you don't have Fight a fight for the job. You don't have a contract for, and and it's not as though Garrett like he hasn't been calling plays for a while, and when he did, he wasn't that good. So like, what's what position is he really gonna? I maybe mean, quarterback coach, but even then, like. I think people have soured on him quite a bit. So is he going to get that extra, that another job? I don't think so. Well, not as head coach. Well, but even not as like a good, like, and do you think after being a head coach for 11 odd or 10 odd years or whatever, you're going to want to step down to like a QB coach? No, the money, <laughs> the money isn't nearly as so good. I, I'm, I will say this because he is a former Cowboys head coach. He can walk onto any set. Oh, sure. Well, and he's good looking and he's got like, yeah, he's a smart dude. And, and by all accounts, everyone really likes him. I've heard nothing but really good things about Jason Garrett. Now, so you're telling me that Jerry Jones says no to Tom Brady there. I'm saying, because I don't think there's any way, there's no way that Jerry Jones saying, no, Tom, I don't want you and Josh to come over here and throw the ball, re-sign Amari Cooper. You have this great offensive line. You have Blake Jarwin. We won't put Jason Witten on the field once. Once. I promise. You can play in Dallas. You don't have to deal with the cold. Uh, My only concern is, my only concern would be that if, if I'm Jerry, like, again, the people that have been around Jerry have been people who are sort of desperate to be there. I get it. And they work, they work around him. Whereas Brady and McDaniel or whomever would be calling the shots here. Right. And that to me is just like, uh, I don't, I just don't see it happening. Okay. So he's not going to Dallas. I don't, I can't find another place that Tom Brady is going other than new England. And I'll throw out a couple of free agent names. So Amari Cooper is a free agent. Now I think the Cowboys have to re-sign him, but Cowboy fans are not super sold on Amari Cooper. Yeah, because he's a drop. I mean, he's a guy that fans wouldn't like, which is a drops guy. It's a drops guy. Yes. But he he also hasn't shown up, you know, in big games aside from that. Just not even just not dropping the ball, but not being productive. And Michael Gallup played really well this year. Right. So that's not a guarantee. So maybe the Patriots can make a play at him. But you know who else I'm thinking about? 
AJ Green is a free agent. Right. And the he's Patriots, like a perfect Patriot. The Patriots are an attractive destination. They could replenish the tight end spot easily because there's tight ends everywhere. They even have one in Nikhil Harry. They could get e- and Eric then, Ebon in free agency or something like right. that. And then you get AJ Green and the pass protection you can solidify because it's easy and cheap to do so. What about the what about the Los Angeles Chargers? They're a or, they're a joke of an organization compared to the Patriots and the Cowboys. And I don't think Brady wants to deal with that. Okay. But but that again is something where like, you know, if you're if you're a short term destination, it's sort of like does it really matter to them? He I mean, would, you're in Southern California. Granted, you're not in. I mean, they are moving into the the big stadium next year. They, if you're the Chargers, it makes a lot of sense for you because you don't want to be playing second fiddle to the Rams in that in that city for all that long. Here's it the ma- issue. makes a little bit of sense. They have a terrible offensive line. They do. I don't think Anthony Lynn and that offense is exactly what Brady wants. So he'd have to come. I'm in still and say, wondering how. I mean, Anthony Lynn seems like a great guy, but I but I'm wondering why he still has a job. Frankly, right. But you would, you, Brady would have to come in and basically tear down the organization yeah. and build it back up. And the other issue is they have, by all accounts, skimped on yeah. um, like health resource was one of the reasons people believe they keep getting all these injuries. I don't think Brady wants to deal. What with about that. the Carolina Panthers? Carolina Panthers appear to be this one is a franchise that is, you know, relatively figuring it out. They have. Some pretty solid weapons in Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, Greg Olson, if he hangs around for another year. An and owner then that's well-respected. DJ, DJ uh, Christian McCaffrey, an offensive line that's not a complete disaster, and a defense that played a little bit better than we thought this year, although they, they faded on the stretch. Here's, here's the problem. It's in Charlotte, Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. It's, in, it's in a place that he doesn't want to be. And you just mentioned all those things. They're still not as good a team as the Patriots are. So there's no way... Oh, get, get not it, get not it. on defense for sure, but on offense, the skill position players for the Panthers are better than the currently. Yeah, but the Patriots, I think. How many players are the punch. Patriots away from being good on offense? One. Okay, I would I would argue it's at least two. You put AJ Green on there with Julian Edelman. I still think you need a tight end. Okay, go draft one. Okay, I'm just saying, like the Panthers would be the Panthers would be I think a pretty like attractive spot, especially because they have they need a head coach too. It's yeah. a head coach. It's McDaniel. I'm telling you, I like Charlotte. I don't think it's that attractive to Tom Brady. Okay. There's that. That is something. Okay. There's no way TB12 is going to Charlotte. Okay. Here's a, here's the last one. I just got to throw it out there okay. because I mean, why does AJ Green even have to move? The Bengals have the number one <laughs> overall pick. Did what you if hear they, my last argument? <laughs> what if they went with Brady, trade the number one overall pick, let somebody else take the shot on Joe Burrow? Get, get, welcome to the jungle, Tom. I think there's a better chance that he would play like for a Mexican national team than move to Cincinnati. Jeez, he could he could work here. We could like start his transi- his career transition. Can you imagine how Steve Steve would be Dude. would dance in here like a little girl in a tutu after her first ballet lesson? Steve would need knee pads after like two days. <laughs> He'd be giddy. I, I think if it ends, I'll give you one more. If it if it's really ugly for Jimmy G. Ooh, in San Francisco in a playoff game. That's a place where Brady could make a power move, I think, and say, here's where I want to play. And I'd be very curious if it ends really, really poorly for them in a playoff game. Maybe they win one, but it looks bad and then they lose the next one. Mm -hmm. That's his hometown. I'm just saying. 
Anyways, uh, I think he stays with the Patriots. There's there's no way Robert Kraft lets him go. He's going to be motivated. They'll replenish. I, there's no way that he finds a better situation unless a team like Dallas or San Francisco piques his interest. He's so competitive. He is competitive. It's one of his, his strengths as a person. Um, we've already talked about Jason Garrett. It's kind of weird how the guy had to like allow himself to get fired. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel kind of bad. He gets dragged a lot. I mean, his intentions can't be terrible. I don't think he's well, an evil dude. The problem is, is it's just like Marvin Lewis here. It's just like there, there, there takes a certain aptitude to get a team from bad to decent. And then it takes a different aptitude altogether to take them from decent to good. And we saw that with Tampa Bay, with Dungy, took that team from being terrible Mm -hmm. to right on the cusp. And then Gruden had to push them over. Um, And and then, you know, uh, you know, but Dungy did get a Super Bowl in, in Indianapolis. But like, you know, that kind of thing where it's just sometimes it takes a new voice. There's nothing wrong with this person. Right. It's sort of like. You know, I think we talked about this last time. It's like sort of like that girl you date in college and then you just you both get jobs in different cities. There's nothing wrong with either person. It just doesn't work. Right. It's like for Garrett, that's kind of the thing. I don't think there's anything like fundamentally wrong with the guy. It's a little bit more conservative than I'd like on fourth downs. And he was less conservative this. Right. I mean, he he wasn't like totally behind. I mean, the fact of the matter is the Cowboys were good enough to be in enough high leverage situations where his conservatism showed more than somebody like Zach Taylor because they're never in games and so he got the spotlight a lot more and that's why people disliked him more but you know he that Cowboys team had the most wins in the NFC East during his tenure so like he wasn't horrible he just I think not good enough to get the Cowboys over the hump and that's why they needed to change I gotta be honest with you I think he just got really unlucky this year they, they were in so many close games they lost all of them a couple of bounces go their way I mean they squeak into the playoffs and win a game I don't think he's getting fired and next year, if they re-sign the guys they need to re-sign, that offense was really, really freaking good. So there's a good chance with the way the NFC East is comprised of garbage upon garbage right. that Jason Garrett and the Cowboys would be great next year. And then we wouldn't be having, you know, yeah, yeah. like there's so many universes where he stays with the Cowboys and it ends up being great and he's viewed as a well we've seen that a a couple times 2016 was that in 2014 Mm -hmm. they went from being bad to good and then he saved his job for a little bit even last year 10 and 6 it was sort of the same thing we've talked about this before but right now who do you think the uh, cowboys end up signing it's been mccarthy apparently spent an extra day there now i would venture that's because they have a lot of great steakhouses there and i would be looking for an excuse personally to stay in dallas as well and not to brag, but having met Mike McCarthy, he's a dude that he's big. would value a great steak, yeah. which I appreciate. Personally. Uh, so my only issue is that, well, I don't know. I, I feel like so growing up in the in the north northern part of the country, he's sort of tr- more a northern part of the country person. But I don't think that means you have to like work there. I mean, you have to like no. have you have a house there type of thing. So I don't think he prefers Cleveland, for example, over Dallas because any way you could <laughs> because of, because of the Dallas. because of the weather. Um, he you know when he talked to Peter King, he w- he said something like you know I want a quarterback. Um, I want. Uh, you know, basically, he just said, I want a quarterback. And Dak, to me, I think, is somebody who 
is good enough to succeed if Mike McCarthy is going to evolve his offense to be a successful offense. So that makes some sense. I mean, honestly, if he goes to Cleveland, Prescott improved a ton as a thrower this year. Cleveland, Cleveland is so much of a wild card because we're not even sure if Mayfield's good where we think he is, but he didn't play well this year. Um, and you know, so, and then New York is another one. And it looks like New York wants Matt rule a lot. The, the coach for Baylor. So I do think, I think it's McCarthy at this point. I think so too. And I don't think that'd be a bad move. Uh, for McCarthy at all um, I mean Dallas is a cool place so if I were McCarthy I would be stoked about going to Dallas I mentioned I mentioned the steakhouses like legitimately I would be intrigued if if Neil Got was like up. hey Dallas is an option for uh, moving the company moving the company <laughs> I'd be okay with it because of the uh, food that I've had there it's very good McCarthy and I are similar in that way I feel wow. I've asked him you just assume they like steak because of his size. So is that rude? I think so. Did you you keep moving the? I feel like I, my, I don't. I can't get. I'm like uh, I'm like Drew Brees. I can't get comfortable in the pocket right Christ. now. All right, should we talk about these games? Yeah, let's let's uh, go over. So it yesterday's yesterday's games were a lot of fun, and particularly the first game in large part because Boog was drawing penises and balls on the on the. He uh, did it screen. again. Are you serious? You didn't see this? No. Dude. He, Somebody had to have told that to drawing. Man. Yeah, I think he did it on purpose this yeah, time. That, like, like, there's hey, man, no way. Viral moment. Yeah. But he was diagramming like a blitz and just circles a guy, draws a line towards the quarterback, circles the guy next to him, <laughs> and draws a line to the quarterback. It was it was uh, really. That's amazing. It was incredible. Yeah. So that happened. And then Josh Allen lateral the ball backwards when he didn't need to. He also went 25 for 46. Uh, Deshaun Watson either took a sack or completed a pass. Uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was non-existent for a a half and then almost single-handedly won the game by roasting Tredavious White a couple of times, which we discussed on this podcast. Uh, That was a crazy game. And thankfully, Houston ended up covering two and a half because that was our lock of the week. Yeah, it was it was like I actually so the, so this morning I woke up and I was talking to my wife because I didn't get back to late because we stayed here for both games and I showed my wife the list of things we said to each other during the game just to be like this is the emotions that we go through we called it over five and I, and I and I I gotta think that there was there was so many like uh, oh my god oh my god <laughs> come on Roby was said three times because he <laughs> he dropped three interceptions in the game. Um, it's just uh, redemption spelled Carlos. You had the great tweet that said not on the table, Carlos, which is a, just a great pull. And of course us proclaiming the game over a number of times. Um, it was, it was a nice sweat to get. We did not get the, the second pick of the weekend. So we were one and one. Um, but this, the, the first one, which is our lock of the week was great uh, because Houston had the game in the bag at the very end. I think Michael Lopez tweeted out that when, when Houston got the ball back after that initial fourth down sack, their probability of winning the game was higher than when New England had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl just three years ago. So there was, so we had the game in the bag. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And um, and uh, the and then they went they went four and out. You know, uh, Buffalo gets the ball back, kicks a field goal, and then Darren Fells drops the pass. You know, the yo-yo back and forth in the in the uh, uh, you know in overtime. We finally get the, the field goal after that great play by. Um, 34. I can't remember who that was. I thought it was Tyler Irvin after Watson got out of that sack. Uh, but it was it was a perfect game for a lot of things we talk about at PFF. Watson earned his pressure rate 
unbelievably right and 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 you know buffalo knows that they went after him and watson refuses to give up on a play the same way that rogers refuses to maintain a play and then but at the same time josh allen was unable to take advantage of it because he just produces too many negatively graded throws it it was an example of all those things deshaun watson held on to the ball for an average of 3.7 seconds which is long even for Deshaun Watson. It was the longest of this entire season. Yep. And he had gotten better at it. He had gotten better early, at it early in the season and, and then kind of waned. And then there was also the, when we talked about the DeAndre Hopkins, Tredavious White thing on Thursday, we talked a lot about how defense versus offense, like which one is, is more predictive, right? And I actually thought both of these games on Saturday were great examples of why offense is more predictive of future outcomes than defense. Tredavious White is a great corner. DeAndre Hopkins is a great receiver. The great receiver is going to win that matchup. And he did. And he won it on the 40 yarder that ended up setting up the go ahead touchdown. And then I believe unless Tredavious White has given up a two point conversion, I'm unaware of. He was the first receiver to catch a pass in the end zone against Tredavious White this entire season on the two point conversion that ended up allowing the game to go to overtime. So that it was a great example of that. And without Will Fuller in this game, it was basically DeAndre Hopkins or bust because apparently the Texans did not want to send another wide receiver down the field ever, which I don't totally understand. And it seemed like in the first half, they were trying to do things to get Hopkins away from white. And then the second half, they go, look, okay, we don't have Will Fuller, but we're Mm -hmm. just going to line up the way that we normally play this thing. And we're going to try and beat them because we're the better team. And ultimately, it was enough to get them to get them over it. I we're going to talk about, obviously, Houston, uh, Baltimore, uh, sorry, Houston, um, Kansas City. And I would venture to say that Deshaun Watson, as good as he played in this game, if he plays this way against Kansas City, it might not. It might be a blowout. And and that was the thing. Like Booger talked about so much how impressive Josh Allen was, how poised he was. But people like I think just underrate. If you can't score touchdowns, who who cares? Like you have to be able to move the ball, you have to be able to sustain drives, and you have to be able to score. And they scored a touchdown on their first drive on a fluky trick play and did not score another touchdown the rest of the game. And it still took Houston to overtime. We talked about this. I, yep. you know, when we were talking about this on the podcast the other day, our hesitation was that this was going to be one of those Deshaun Watson sort of games where he just does not play well. Yeah. And he, you know, for whatever reason, takes too many sacks. And, and I, I think in our chat, I said, you know, this is one of the Watson games. Hopefully he pulls it out like he did against Oakland, where he just played like crap the whole time. But he makes a couple plays down the stretch and say, OK, this guy's special. But turning the clock forward, do you think Watson, because I feel that Watson is no longer a Watson is a horrible player to bet against. But he's also kind of a horrible player to bet for because I I just don't see him as somebody who's super predictable. If you're if you held a Bills plus two and a half ticket or money line ticket, that must have sucked, right? You're not beating good NFL teams, but taking that many sacks, exactly. Just period. Like yeah. there's no way. We yeah. saw it with the Ravens, right? He took a ton of sacks in yeah. that game. It was a disaster. He held on to the ball for way too long, and they got blown out of the building because when an offense can score. The Bills could not. But when an offense can score, those field goals become touchdowns and it's 28-0 instead of, you know, 13-0. And all of a sudden that game is totally over. And it it took, you know, Josh Allen. It's really interesting. Kev Cole wrote that article on uh, the Bills offense and what they've done to make him more efficient. And what they did is they said, actually, 
he's got a strong arm, but he's not accurate down the field, yep. which is what everyone said going, you know, into the draft. And in this game, he was 0 for 6 throwing 20 plus yards downfield where he is accurate is on shorter throws. The issue there is that he's still not that accurate. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's better than himself he's, there, but he's not better than average. Right. And so the tough thing is you're trying to sustain these drives with these short throws and it's just not going to happen that often. They also don't have you know, a ton of wide receivers out there. I, I think the last point that I would make here is JJ Watt playing in this game. You know, defense doesn't matter. We talk about this a lot. He, the fact that he came out and played and did not get injured quickly ultimately did matter because it would have, I don't know if there was any way that that building would have come back from JJ Watt getting injured in the first half and being down 13 zero. And then of course made that, that big sack that, hey, I mean, he wasn't blocked on the play, but like that got the fan base fired up because it was J.J. Watt. So to the extent that defense matters and the defensive players matter, it did matter that he came back and play in this game. I don't know if it'll matter going forward, but I, I mean, it was a huge win. I mean, the, the thing about football that's hard to capture when you do statistics on football are the are the sort of like, I, I don't know, the the outlier players, right? So like when Houston go that Houston's like one of the most, the worst defense in the NFL and you get a player back that can transcend the game. Like it's difficult for like regressions and machine learning models to be like, okay, that's worth X. Right. And so we're always going to say, well, that doesn't matter that much. And I think over, over the course of a huge sample, we're pretty much right. But in a game like that, he can make a play or two that turns the tide of the game around. Uh, if I had to, if I had to sort of go back and be like, okay, would we have made this such a strong pick before the weekend? My answer probably would have been no. Um, but you know, uh, just we got lucky. I think at the end of the day, the the way things worked out. It, it was also interesting. A couple of other notes that I had down here, which were Bill O'Brien, LOL. Yeah, <laughs> because like if they lose that game, Bill O'Brien is getting interestingly. On. Interestingly, the only. The only team that made solid decisions this weekend or that or that we expected to actually, I guess, in the, at the end of the day, Philadelphia actually went for two fourth downs where kicking a field goal would have been the right choice. And everybody else and even Buffalo went for that fourth and 24 where either kicking a long field goal or punting would have been a better decision for them. You know, it was sort of this weekend where it was marred by really bad decisions, you know, headed by that, that Saturday night game, which Tennessee going in and it's sort of ending the season of New England. And the other note I had was Laramie Tunsil. Thank God they got him. <laughs> right. And we somebody discussed this on Twitter the other, you know, I was like, how many how many really perfect pass blocking snaps does Tunsil need to gain that credit back? And we always I, I look at my the, the you know, the war model that we made and say, like, why are offensive and defensive linemen so lowly graded or so lowly you know put valued valued and it's because of that i mean when you give up when you get a false start or hold you are basically responsible for that 100 percent, and those are worth like full points right whereas like a good play you are worth a very small, small part of part of yeah. yeah and and you have to accumulate really good offense and you have to be a part of that offense for the majority of the time to even accumulate that back so that's you know a really you know interesting thing to and it's and replacement level is tough to do because good tackles false start, bad tackles false start. So they all have this like negative to them. Great tackles like Ryan Ramchek get eaten. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the big takeaways for both these teams. We'll talk about Houston in a second. But for me, for Buffalo, it's holy cow regression might be coming um, because I could see this being next year when we look at 
totals for team wins where they get a Bearsian type number yeah. and you go, okay, they had a lot of defensive success. We expect that to regress. Um, you know, the quarterback play, it tells you that they were know. very healthy defensively, you know, uh, true. The, their entire back, their starting four members of their secondary, all, all none of them missed a game due to injury this year. So uh, I am excited to see that, that number. Um, yeah. Any other, any other notes on that game? I think uh, no, I, I I'm interested to see what you think about Houston going into Kansas City. Yeah, we're going to talk about that game soon. Um, Tennessee, New England. We talked about this a little bit, uh, but this game to me was a perfect example of why offense um, is more predictive than defense. And here's why the Tennessee Titans defense is trash. They couldn't get pressure at all. Tom Brady was in a clean pocket more often than he has been all season. Eighty six percent of his dropbacks. He was kept clean. 86%. That's ridiculous. Yeah, unbelievable. And the New England Patriots averaged negative expected points added per pass play. So you have this great quarterback. You've, you've given him clean pockets mm-hmm. and you are negative. You are getting further away from scoring every time he drops back to pass, which tells me that those wide receivers are absolutely garbage i think there's something to do with brady too i mean he was you know a top 12 graded quarterback by us he didn't take a sack i don't think he but he didn't grade well the other night and it's one of those things where it's this is the entanglement problem that's really hard to solve muhammad sanu was under a yard per route run since he was acquired Nikhil harry was under a yard per route run since he uh joined the team no team had less effective tight ends in the Patriots. The Patriots offensive line wasn't particularly good, but they did okay the other night. Um, But when your only receivers are James White and Julian Edelman, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, but bad offense can turn a bad defense into a good defense on any given night, just like a good offense can turn a good defense into a bad defense on any given night. And this was an example of that. And then on the other side of things, you had, okay, the Patriots defense is fine, but... Ryan Tannehill, who comes in and is, you know, hot like lava, is still able to make plays. You know, they they took out A.J. Brown, right? But he still made a couple of big plays was enough to win the game. So uh, I don't know. I I don't think Tannehill played well by any stretch of the imagination. But um, well, this is exactly what we said on on Thursday. You know, that the Patriots are going to take away what the Titans do best. And that was play action passes. And that was passes deep to A.J. Brown. And if the Patriots can score they will win the game and probably cover. And they were up They were up by six going into the last drive of the second quarter. They gave up a touchdown, but none of us were all that worried. Um, but then, you know, they just didn't score in the second half. And neither really did the Titans. Nope. The Titans scored. The only score the Titans had in the second half was that, was what, that interception return by mm-hmm. by Logan no, Ryan at the very end? To that point. And, and so, to me, again, it's just it's just another one where offense is king. Quarterback is mostly king, but if you try to stretch the supporting cast and you don't have brilliance at the court, and I don't think Brady's brilliant at the quarterback position anymore, so you don't have brilliance at the quarterback position, your offense is going to struggle. Do you think that it was worth uh, picking Sonny Michelle in the first round so that he could get stuffed multiple times at the goal line? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, and even then he averaged 4.4 yards a carry. It just was the wrong sort of – he had 25 yards on one carry, and then the rest of the game he was garbage. And, yeah, man. the uh, This is crazy. So, that you know, running is not very efficient. It's not nearly as efficient as passing. The 
Tennessee Titans were still more efficient passing than running, despite Derrick Henry. You know, Derrick Henry was great, but still passing yeah. is just that much more efficient. But the Titans were more efficient per play running than the Patriots were passing. And that, my friends, is how you lose at home, despite the fog rolling in. Yeah, you did say the fog would roll in. I told in. you. I, I told you this would happen. God wanted them to win, and they just couldn't. Um, Sometimes you can't turn the we've hand talked of about <laughs> We've talked about both these teams. Uh, we'll talk about Tennessee in a bit, but we've talked about the Patriots a lot. Anything else that you want to say about the Patriots? No. I, it, you know, we have to... Um, Got to move on. Yeah, we have to move on. Minnesota and New Orleans. Apparently, you just... I, I, have to Vikings. Apo- I have to apologize. I mean, I... And granted, like every single other Vikings fan after the Paris <laughs> game, the first Paris game, you know, you know, Cousins is trash. I think I even had a tweet that said, you know, all of you took your L after one year. Hopefully Cousins can salvage some success in Minnesota and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, even though the he had a great month and he was basically average other than that month, he played very well today, I thought. You know, he did a he great job. A couple of great throws. And that's always Kirk Cousins, though. When, the when you know, he knows where he's going with the football he can be pretty damn good, and he was two for five, you know, 77 yards throwing the ball, you know, over 20 yards downfield, including that pass to Thielen, which was terrific. He he had another one to Thielen on like a third down where he was getting hammered, and, you know, and despite that, so even all that, you know, Cousins of four of eight with a touchdown, you know, under pressure, including the game winner. Um, even, despite that, they were lucky to – win that game right because Dalvin Cook's fumble fumble-ish thing could have been returned for a touchdown Taysom Hill sprints for 30 40 yards on the sideline then Breeze fumbles without getting hit um you know obviously there was the the how the clock mis- mismanagement by by Sean Payton down the stretch there it was bad I thought that this you know I'm happy the Vikings won and you know I'm really excited to see what they do in San Francisco it'll be their first playoff game against the Niners since 1997 but I think that the Saints for the third consecutive year lost this lost the playoff game more than they won. Well, we or talk- more than the, their opponent beat them. We talked about this. Uh, so the reason that initially on Monday morning, I thought this should have been a five and a half point spread. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was too too many points. And the reason that I thought that was that the Vikings, if healthy, and we wrote this in the in the article previewing the playoffs. How do they win this game? Well, Adam Thielen is actually Adam Thielen. And if that's the case, then the Vikings are the more explosive offense than the Saints are. So they can hit those big plays. And that was exactly what we saw in this game, right? Drew Brees was not... Stephon Diggs was a non-factor. But they had the other guy. And so that allowed them to go down the field and and make some throws. And the, the writing was on the wall for the Saints a little bit. Drew Brees had not graded well in the past two games, despite them having these big offensive performances against really crappy teams. Um, And what we didn't expect, and the reason I sort of came over to maybe the Saints just roll, is that the O-line, D-line matchup, which you expected the Saints to win handily. And actually it was Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter who just roasted uh, multiple uh, Saints offensive. Well, and I, I want to wax poetic here about Zimmer, right? Because Zimmer, there was the rumors about him possibly leaving and going to Dallas. Oh, there those was, are still out there, by the way. There, you good call by the, you. The the there were this I there were this there was this question about okay, what are they going to be able to do? Mackenzie Alexander 
was out. Mike Hughes is out, right? They're still probably going to be out next week. Um, you lost Sheldon Richardson in the offseason. You struggled to get interior pressure all season with the Shamar Steffens, the Jaleel Johnsons, the Limbell Joseph, you know, at the later end of his career of the world. And what did they do? They put they put Afania Degabo on the outside as a defensive end. They put um, uh, Stephen Weatherly on the outside as a defensive end, and they rushed Hunter and Griffin on the inside. And that was something that was we hadn't seen all season. It really did like we we talk about coverage versus pass rush, but the interior pass rush there really did mess with Breeze. And the fact is, is he's a shorter guy. So the interior pressure does mess with him. I think a little bit more than others. And they did just enough in coverage. They sucked in coverage today. I mean, Xavier Rhodes got roasted uh, and Andrew Sandejo and got sent sprinting. Andrew Sandejo should never be covering a real NFL receiver in the slot. Um, They have two great safeties in those two. And, you know, uh, Harrison Smith got burned by Taysom Hill on that touchdown. Um, but Zimmer changed it up enough, I think, to play. It was probably one of the better games that he's coached in his Vikings career. I would say that. I think the credit there is very well-deserved. I mean, Andres Pete got absolutely wrecked by Everson Griffin there early in the game, yep. um, and that was something that was obviously st- strategic. But Ramchek, who has been a great right tackle, yep. also um, – he gave up two sacks in this game, yeah, which he had. I don't think he'd given up a sack all season, gave up two in this game. And that is, as you said, in these one off situations, coaching, particularly on the defensive side, is like that 12th man, right? Yep. And I think you make the legit argument that the defensive coordinator is maybe the most valuable player. defensive player because it is the scheme more so than individually great players that really matters. Because if you come out with a bad game yeah. plan, you're going to get torched. And they came out knowing, like, Sam Monson uh, messaged me this at some point. He's like, I don't understand how the Saints aren't winning by 30 right now. Because, like, they don't have anyone that's covering the slot. (laughs) I just, like, don't get it. Um, Well, and the problem is, is I think sometimes, so when you're an offense, and we talked, you, I think, made a good point about this last week at this time. The Saints are not an explosive offense. Um, They're efficient. But the issue is, is in the playoffs, you can't count on just efficiency because you need if you're the Saints and you want to beat a team like the Vikings who have a pretty good defense and a pretty good offense you have to score enough points and the problem is is if you want to get five yards at a time you're crossing the street a lot and eventually you're going to get hit by a car just by chance and that's kind of that's kind of the issue with them they just don't don't have the the deep you know players on the field and the Minnesota Vikings to their credit were terrific in that 10 to 19 yard range right the 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 Michael Thomas range so that forced Breeze to go over the top which resulted in an interception at one point it forced them to go underneath and I don't know like we're going to kind of dunk on some people here but Kamara is not a generational player he's just another running back that was put in a good situation and the, today was showed all that as well so you know Breeze has only completed three passes between 10 and 19 yards in the air and he only attempted I believe it was uh, yeah it was only four passes in that area the Vikings took that area away and that's where you can go and when they face the 49ers this week that's the money zone right and if yep. they can figure out how to stop that against the Niners they will be in business to me, I think the Niners are better equipped to attack that zone against the Vikings, but the Saints were not. Yeah, I mean, the, the Niners actually go downfield and are super good at it. As when a, they do, yes. Right, they don't They don't need to do it a lot. Um, and their players, I think, make more plays after the catch. They have better wide 
better wide receivers. The, the Thomas, Thomas is a very good route runner, gets open. He's decent after the catch. Kamara, like I said, is has looked kind of like a sled dog this year. And then after that, who you throw? I mean, Jared Cook has made some Jared plays. Cook's fine. Yeah, they're they're in for but it. But their second wide receiver, they need a second wide receiver in the draft, frankly. Uh, Drew Brees, six point seven yards per attempt from a clean pocket. He had a hundred yards from a clean pocket, which is um, un un Drew Brees like. So, the my big takeaway from this game, honestly, for the Saints was Saints were better with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Jeez, I mean. They, they were in this game. They, they needed so, every bit of that trickeration. So I'm writing an article about what each one-and-done team has to do to get better in the offseason. And for me, for the Saints, it's got to be you have to figure out if if you can continue to win with this in the playoffs and high-leverage situations. You have to find out if you can win with this type of offense because until like you have I think I don't think it's a receiver's problem I I don't think it's a I think it is like it's not a speed problem to me it's what Drew Brees prefers and unfortunately this stuff can get you to 13 and 3 and I, I hate to sound like uh but it can't win in the playoffs it's hard to win in the playoffs with that kind of offense it's not that it can't win in the playoffs it's just that you force yourself to play perfectly yeah. you and can't get difficult. these big plays that can make up for all these errors. Adam Thielen had a horrible fumble in this game. He had a horrible game in the first half. Right. It was terrible. You know how you make up for that? You go 40 yards down the right side of the field. Like those are the situations that can make up for all these things. And if you want to make up for a brilliant game plan by the Minnesota Vikings, you have to be able to go down the field and make some plays down the field. And they couldn't do that. This was the first time where I thought Taysom Hill being in the game was like I actually an helped them, yeah. game changer. He always annoyed me, but yeah, today he was he was quite good and and uh, yeah, it was cool to see. Um, I I was looking forward to uh, Saints Packers, but now now I'm very much looking forward to Seahawks Packers. I was I'm a little. Um, I'm a little sad that there's not a rematch right away between the, the uh, 49ers, 49ers and the Seahawks. Seahawks. The good news is it can still, still happen. Yeah. So the uh, Seahawks, we'll talk about this game very briefly because this it was sucked. It was terrible. And it really it was really sad to see Carson Wentz go out. I mean, mm-hmm. that just sucks because that team has had so many injuries all season. And the one that they could not afford, obviously, was Carson Wentz. And he put the team on his back, so to speak. They certainly would have had a chance to win this game because they had a chance to win this game with Josh freaking McCown out there wearing old, like, you know, retro Jordan one right, sneakers. Right. Um, and they still had a chance to win this game. And ultimately, this game was all about the simple that what we just talked about, which is Russell Wilson makes plays down the field. He throws the best deep ball in the NFL. And when DK Metcalf can actually catch, because he had three drops the last time they played Seattle, uh, played Philadelphia, they were super dangerous. And so it was those plays down the field that ultimately won the game. And at the same time, every Seahawks game, I watch it and I think to myself, how the heck did X happen? Right. And last week it was, I watched their offense try to operate and I come up for air and I'm like, how the heck did they almost win this game? And then today I watched their offense operate. I come up and I'm like, how the heck did they only score 17 points? Yep. Well, I'll tell you how. Russell Wilson went, uh, let's see, four, four, five, six, seven, four for seven on throws 20 plus yards downfield. Josh McCown did not attempt a throw 20 plus yards downfield. That is how the game was won. Now, the way that they only scored that many points is that, uh, let's see here. They uh, ran the ball. Right. Mm. Uh 
so they threw the ball 65% of the time. And when they threw the ball, uh, they were successful on 46% uh, of their plays for an average of 0.63 expected points out of per pass, which is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It was the best, I believe, of the entire average, wild card. He averaged more than 10 yards per pass from a clean and a broke pocket. Okay, it was amazing. But when they ran the ball, they averaged negative 0.6 expected points. That's what you call balance. Per run. So each run was basically subtracting as much as each pass was adding. 10% of their runs improved their uh, expected points. In other words, got them closer to scoring on the next scoring play. That is how you have a generational quarterback who is making plays down the field, was the most efficient thrower of the football every time he dropped back to throw uh, in the wild card round, and yet only put up. 17 points God, it's this. incredible it's unbelievable so so i think i think we're all in agreement that next week's game between the packers and the seahawks is just gonna be one big tilt fest on it's twitter going to be it's absolutely going to be it's gonna be people annoyed with aaron Rodgers. it's gonna be people annoyed with the seahawks running um there's gonna be some dk metcalf shirtless stuff uh, it should be awesome. I'm excited to talk about that one. So should we talk about the games? Yeah, let's talk about the games. Let's do it. Okay, so the early Saturday game. Now, I guessed the lines. You, uh, I don't think, did. Is that? Yeah, I... I uh, you you the, cheated on me. It, it, the, the, the cat was out of the bag by the time I looked. Uh, okay, so we'll start with the first game on Saturday, which is uh, Vikings... Niners. Mm-hmm. This is the NBC game. It is our last game of the season. It's early on Saturday, which I love. Yeah, it means nice. I can enjoy the rest of the games. Um, and I thought that the Niners would be uh, five and a half point favorites over the Minnesota Vikings. You're not too far off. Um, I'm guessing I'm still short, though. Yes. Min- uh, San Francisco is minus six and a half. Okay. The total on the game is forty five and a half. And I think this is giving a lot of credit to Mike Zimmer, right? This is saying, look, Mike Zimmer shut down a an offense that everyone thought was very, yep. very good in the New Orleans Saints, and now an offense that is very, very good in the San Francisco 49ers, he should be able to handle as well. Now, just because I guessed short does not mean that I'm excited to take the Vikings. However, at six and a half, if I had to take one side of this game, I'm not sure it wouldn't be the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco, we've we've made some money backing their opponent at six and a half during the course of the regular yeah, season. Yeah, were one of them. Yep. Um, and, you know, the Rams were one just a couple weeks ago. Here's my hesitation. And here, so San Francisco is off a of bye week. Yep. This is the early game on Saturday. So not only do you get San Francisco off of a bye, you get Minnesota flying basically from central time zone to west time uh, pacific time zone and playing the early game they have the least rest of any team in this round that's right and, and so that's the that's my difficulty in backing minnesota here it's also my difficulty in backing the over um last week every single guest that we had moved it, the line moved with our guests on the total so, uh, people were watching and, yeah, yeah. and moved and bet it yeah yep. so so um so that would be my only concern. When I initially saw it, though, I, I, I think it's trying to entice the two-way action. I think there's a lot of people. Minnesota has been a team that folks have wanted to make money off of for a while. They have a good defense. They have a good coach. Their quarterback is talented. They have two good receivers. There's a lot to like about that team. 
San Francisco, on the other hand, has been a very similar group where yards for play, offense and defense, all that kind of stuff has been. So this, to me, I think you're going to get two-way action. I think it stays at six and a half the whole week. Enticing two-way action. Pretty exciting. Don't talk about Jerry Jones like that, okay? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's the total at? 45 and a half. Okay. The reason that I would be hesitant about the Minnesota Vikings is exactly the reason that I was sort of bullish on the Minnesota Vikings last week, which is that the Niners can hit big plays and will hit big plays. And that is what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, both in the run game, but in the pass game. They have the lowest average depth of target in the league, so it's deceiving. But when they throw deep, they average the most yards per deep pass attempt in the entire league. And when they throw short, it's still with the aim of gaining big plays. They have the most yards after catch in the NFL, which is how they're a top seven offense, basically despite Jimmy G being uh, about 15 in terms of, you know, offensive, uh, sorry, a PFF grade. And that's, and that speaks to the scheme, right? They have Debo Samuel and George Kittle, who are probably the two best receivers after the catch um, that you could possibly want. I mean, AJ Brown was great. And then you have Emmanuel Sanders, who is an actual wide receiver one, which they have not had in forever. And then Raheem the Dream Mostert on the outside. Do the the Vikings gave up a little bit to Jared Cook today, but ultimately have been one of the best teams in terms of stopping tight ends. Which we discussed. Do we... So for me, if I look at this game, the people that can kill the Vikings in this game are the backs out of the backfield, the wide receivers, and then I think Kittle is somewhat neutralized. Not Not like zero catches, but like five for 75 like is that a like would you take the over or the under on that line i'm gonna take the over okay here's why i would take the over is that the niners defense was great to start the season because they played crappy offenses yeah i think we're finding out that they're actually yeah pretty average right and the minnesota offense with two healthy receivers and i can tell you right now that stefan Diggs will be more uh involved in this passing attack than he was this week. They can hit explosive plays. The Niners, totally fresh, will hit explosive plays, and they will take advantage of those cornerbacks in a way that the Saints simply did not. Um, So I always root for points. It looks like Kawan Alexander is possible to play uh, in this game. D4, Jaquiski, Tart also. They're going to be healthy. The thing with the the thing with the four or the thing with the Saints today. What did the Saints do? Because I thought the you know the Vikings Cousins played well, but they only did they didn't only score twenty six points, right? So what what did the Saints do? Well, Demario Davis had a ter- terrific game. He was awesome on both sides of the line of scrimmage. the The Saints had one really disruptor on the defensive line. They were without Davenport and Rankins. The Minnesota Vikings offensive line is hot garbage if they let it right if they if they force it to do too many things. So for me, I'm looking at this game. I think I'm going to lay the points with San Francisco and also take the under. Okay, I probably won't be taking the under. But if I had to take one side right now, it's the Niners uh, minus six and a half. If it was seven. I would be I'd be a little worried. Yep. But um, I, I just think this is a mountain that is probably too high to climb for the Minnesota Vikings, a fully rested team that is just yeah. the Niners are way more talented than the than the New Orleans Saints are. If you had to take a side playing. on the total, what would you take? I think the over because I could see San Francisco just running up and down the field on them. OK, which is this is how it ends for me. Right, right. You can already see me crying in a 
pile of freshly pressed board shorts that I had laid out ready to go to Miami. And my my the team that I liked as a child coming in and yep. squirting uh, all the sunscreen out of the tube. So there's an interesting one. I don't know if you saw my tweet in 1987. The Vikings went into New Orleans and won a playoff game. They were eight and seven. It was a strike short year, only 15 games. Then they went into San Francisco. It was the first time in the career of Joe Montana. He was benched for ineffective play. They won there. And then on my second birthday, they lost to the Washington Redskins in the NFC title game. Wow. So they're so you're so, seeing a repeat. So I, I don't Here's know the difference. You want to know the difference? There's no Washington Redskins. Nope. The difference is that I was not born when that happened. Right. Now I'm here. And then they, they played a playoff game in 97. The last time the the last time the 49ers were the one seed in the NFC, I believe, was in 1997. The Vikings as a six seed went into New York, won a playoff game, came and got drilled. So that might Anytime be time you came and got drilled at the same time. Yeah. It's a good night. You love to see it. I, I the, <laughs> the reason I like the under in this game is if you look at Santa Clara's weather, you're on fire today. a week, a week, you got two way action. You came and yeah. got drilled 14 mile this per hour winds, early podcast, 40, 40, 40, uh, 40% chance of rain. This is in 14. San Francisco. No, Santa Clara. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why I was so confused by the wind because Santa Clara is windy. Well, but not relative to San Francisco. Right. If anyone is not familiar with the Bay Area, San Francisco, I, I grew up equidistant between Santa Clara and San Francisco, and I was still about 40 minutes away from both of them. So Santa Clara is a solid two hour yeah. trip Ugh. away with traffic included from San Francisco. It's nowhere near it. when the f- San Francisco is windy as hell and yeah. Candlestick got a ton of wind and it's, you know, nothing's colder than a summer in San Francisco. Obviously, Santa Clara is just like totally different but yeah. still we get some wind there um, when you when you first found out why this why the stadium is called candlestick were you was your mind blown yes you and you were the uh, one that yeah. told me that was crazy okay um so we're both we're both taking the the niners yeah, yeah. by the way if it doesn't go the niners way you already heard me tell you why it is and that's a jimmy g collapse and the yep. tom brady rumors show up yep. you're welcome the next game is the night game i believe it'll be nance and romo because i well so it's prime time. It's Ravens Titans. You would figure there'd be Nance and Romo. And you, so you guys, so NBC gets the Minnesota San Fran. So there's only one Fox game, right? right. So I think Nance Romo would go to Tennessee Baltimore because it's a night game. It's a prime And then the game. secondary, who would that be? Iron Eagle and Ooh, no, maybe, but I think Harlan's, Har- Harlan's better. better. Yeah, it should be Harlan. Uh, but Houston, Kansas city is the better matchup. Tennessee Baltimore is probably a double digit spread. And we'll get to that right now. I think I guessed that if it was Tennessee, Baltimore, it would be Baltimore minus 12. And it is not. It is. I'm a little long. It was Four. nine and a half when it opened. And it is now 10. Now 10. I think I got some at nine and a half. I look here. The Ravens are not about <laughs> any of this nonsense that the Titans like. I hate to sound like I'm I hate this. I'm laying 11. I hate to sound so cocksure of myself. But look, looky here. The. <sighs> The Titans can't get pressure. They, they, they have a terrible defense. They can't cover. They they hit pretty well the other night, but you think the Ravens are just not going to. And then on defense, they blitz Six so, sacks, so much. Sacks. And then their coverage is good enough on the back end. Tan, like So the, if you didn't read the article, go to PFF.com, read the article. But Baltimore take rushes the most rushers in the league and still forces opponents to hold on to the ball, basically middle the pack in the NFL, which means they're bringing players. And then the quarterback has to hold on to it longer because the coverage is yes. good. 
which when you blitz, the quarterback has should a just, shorter time to throw should just get rid of it. But if you can stop the quarterback's first read, that's golden, right? And that just plays so much into Tannehill. I think, I mean, you said six sacks. I think it's like 10 sacks. I think that was the thing about it was they, the they sacked when they sacked Mariota last year when they won 21 nothing. It was like 12 times, 12, right? It was yeah. their joke. Yeah. But one of the reasons we talked about the Patriots having a chance to cover, and ultimately they did have a chance to cover. Unfortunately, yeah, Sony yeah. PlayStation went out of business. Um, the thing with Ryan Tannehill is that when he gets the throw off, it's usually it's been pretty good. But he's taking a sack on nearly 10% of his taking dropbacks, a sack. which is <laughs> which is the highest rate in the league. Yeah. And so against a team like the Ravens, who are going to be ready to rock, that place is going to be a I, I wish I could go to that game because it is going to be bumping. There, there's nothing fundamental about the Titans on defense that's going to perturb it. Can, can I say this? Remember when the, the Ravens went out and just their offense torched the Miami Dolphins like it was like they were playing against air? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it'll be that, but I could see I could see 45 plus from the Ravens. Yeah. The last time the last time these two teams played, <laughs> Mariota was 10 of 15 for 117 yards. Sack 12 to 13. Uh Oh, let me look. Did he have more sacks than attempts? It was so five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Damn. Eleven sacks. You know, and here's the thing: Tennessee is going to come out, and they're going to be aware of this, and they're going to pound Derrick Henry. In they the had ground. fifty-one total yards of passing, fifty-five rushing yards. So bad. They're going to pound Derrick Henry into the ground because they think that's what won them the New England game, and it, and it, it didn't. As we talked about already, their passing game, even though it was bad in this game, was still more efficient yep. per drop back than they were per run with Derrick Henry. Yep. And so they're going to come out and they're going to do this. And what, what happens when you do that against Baltimore? Baltimore is the best team in the first 15 plays of the game. Baltimore will be up 14-0. And then all of a sudden, you're trying to run play action. Baltimore ain't buying it at all because they know you're in an obvious passing situation. They're blitzing. Tannehill's turning his back to the offense. And then ultimately his back is in the ground and we are on to uh, whoever's next. Yeah. Cause it's just, I, I know that they have to lay this number out here. We saw our friend, Josh Hermsmeyer, the 538 numbers minus 13. I would imagine our number similar. Here's the reason why I think that the, our model will be on tennis. Oh, sorry. on Baltimore. Tannehill's two-year numbers not great. Are, are basically average. You take last year is really bad. This year is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Ravens are like basically good across the board. Uh, to me, I think like that's the only way you got to do it. And then I think just correlated with that is I think the over is a big, you know, because what's the total at right now? 48. Yes. So I, because to me, especially because if Baltimore gets out to a lead and then Tennessee can abandon the Derrick Henry poop log machine. Yeah. My only concern is that, like, literally, what I else th- does his? It looks like a. It looks like a. It looks like a giant log, yeah. right? That or like a booger drawing. Yeah, but you got to put two balls on the back of his head if you want to. Um, Those are. Have you seen Derek? Uh, well, I don't want to pile on Derek Henry. Yeah, I like great, Derek. Henry. He's a great back. Dude is a. Beast. We had him as in PF of Fantasy our projections this year, a top five back, and people hated that. But I would say the efficiency and if the I'm volume. I'm looking at um, like athletes in the nfl that i am most jealous of here's a, my here are my top, dn that gets that kind of volume top, in the here room are my game. top five athletes in the nfl are you ready for this okay aaron donald miles garrett okay dude is savage he's also mentally stable from it looks like yeah but guy's insane 
Um, I guess I'll put DK Metcalf and Decaf Metcalf in there because even and those, Randy Bullock, even those three going ain't great. <laughs> uh, I think I would be tempted to put Derrick Henry in there. And he then, looks like a defensive end. I mean, he's insane. And then uh, my fifth, and this is a list that I'm making up on the fly. So if I've forgotten someone, please, yeah, yeah, don't kill me. But I think it's a tie between Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Both those dudes are insane. I'm a huge fan of Lamar. Oh. Because my thing with Lamar. Yeah, Lamar is great. I, I used to, do, I I used to play. But, I used to, but it's not. He's got more. Um, uh, his athleticism is more like innate shiftiness compared to just. It's even, it's even different than that. I, when I was in college, I had a friend named Jamal O'Neal who played bat on the basketball team. He was my height, but skinny. And he said, look, I'm not that big, but I'm crazy. <laughs> I, think, I think, I think Lamar would knock a motherfucker out if you if you mess with them, right? He's not in addition, big, he's crazy. In addition to being fast, have you seen how he acts when he throws an incompletion? That's true. That dude's nuts, and and in a good Lamar way. Jackson. In a good way. I love Lamar Jackson. I'm really bummed that Wilson, Russell Wilson, had such a good year for such a crappy team, right? And that like. Because I, I want to go, you know, I'm all in on Lamar Jackson. I think he's awesome. Yeah. I think what he does for his team is awesome. Um, so this should be a fun game. If it goes wrong for the Ravens. It goes though, under the total, I think. I think it goes under the total. And I was also going to say, if it goes wrong for the Ravens, I would not be surprised if it was because of a, a couple of Lamar fumbles, which we haven't seen yep. this year. Or an injury. Like, it could be, like, honestly, like. Wide receiver one, but Mark here's, Andrews. Here's the thing: like that, their second string blew the doors off of a Steelers team that had everything to play sure. for. Sure, it was unreal. Yeah, blew the second the doors off the second string of the Steelers. All right, the morning game, not morning game, the early game on Sunday is Houston, Kansas City. I thought that Kansas City would be a seven and a half point favorite against Houston. That's a. It's nine and a half. Okay, it was nine. Total on this game, 49. I think that that's been basically where it's been since the Open. So some support for Kansas City. I did see it go down to 8.5 and, and then back up to 9.5, which I agree with this movement. I, the hard part is, is Kansas City. 9.5 is a lot. It is a lot. And Kansas City, and when these two teams faced off in October, I believe Kansas City was six and a half point favorites, yes. but they were missing Eric Fisher. They were missing Chris Jones. They were well, missing Frank Clark. Here was the bigger Tyreek Hill. Well, no, Tyreek Hill was playing, but there was a couple other injuries. The biggest injury was Pat Mahomes. Yeah. So the week before we had Indy KC and, yep. and Pat Mahomes hurts his ankle. And by all accounts, the ankle injury was the worst injury of the two that he had. Right. Everyone remembers the dislocated kneecap, which knocked him out of the Denver game when Matt Moore came in and won. Right. Right. But. The ankle injury was a severe ankle injury, and he was going to try and play through it. Yep. And he tried in that Houston game, and it was not good. So that was a that was a facetious Houston win. And I was kind of hoping, to be perfectly honest, that that would have people would have forgotten that and go, "Oh, Houston mm-hmm. beat them already. Maybe we should let you know six and a half or something like right, that." Right, right. And ultimately, they did not. Nine and a half, though. Like, do you do you really think Deshaun Watson is going to go in there and just get blown out? Well, we have ex- we have experience with that happening, right? Like, so he oh. went in, and I grant granted there is a significant chance that Baltimore is better than any other team in the NFL by a wide margin. Like, most people are a little bit heavier on them yep. in the futures market than we are. Blah blah blah. But Houston went in to Baltimore 
that game was basically scoreless through one quarter, and then Baltimore just ran the you know okay. ran the train on them, and it was over. Counterpoint right? though, there was a blown PI call that would have set them up at the one. That's true. Would have kept that a close game. But you look at the Kansas City versus Houston game last time. It was really, you know, it was really uh, sold by the fact that. Kansas City got behind the eight ball at the very end of the half. Juan I mean, Thornhill got an interception. They got screwed, yeah, right? Yeah. Like Juan Thornhill, Thornhill got an interception. Mahomes got you know sack, fumble, touchdown at the very end. Like here's the, well, yeah, I don't know from the point spread perspective, it's tough, right? But I would lay the points with Kansas City, but I'm not like super pumped about it from a winning the game and moving on perspective. I'm all in on the Chiefs just because you know Andy Reid off of a bye. Andy Reid, Bill O'Brien. Like we, we we give Andy Reid crap because in the two minute he struggles, but on the play to play stuff, he's gonna run circles around Romeo Cornell. Uh, you know, he's gonna run circles around Bill O'Brien, right? In terms of like the how to how to finagle things. The only thing that worries me a little bit and why I think the over is a good play in this game is Will Fuller playing. Yes, I was about to say that. If Will Fuller comes back and is actually healthy. It's tough for me to, to see this being a blowout. I would say though, if it gets down to eight and a half, and then you've also got the Niners at six and a half, you could tease a little teaser action. Here's the question that I'm going to ask you about, and because I'm writing this article right now, I want your opinion. Kansas City's defense improved substantially this yep. year, especially over the last half of the season. They're basically a top ten defense in EPA allowed per play, per pass play, all that kind of stuff. Against first reads, they're terrific. They have moved into a range where they're a defense you can win with they're not a defense you can win because of but unlike last season they're when they when they were a defense you win despite of they're a defense you can win with yes agree they're, so, they're no longer one of the five worst defenses in the nfl they're not a, they're, they're not a team where i'm constantly flinching every time like they the other team has the football but if if you're going to cite reason X, Y, and Z, why they win this game or they win the game against Baltimore the following week or in the Super Bowl against the Niners, you're not citing defense as one of the top five reasons, right? I mean, they're, the defense well, is not a reason they lose, but okay. it's a reason they it's not a reason they win so, either. Still thinking about the spread, though. Think about it this way. Maybe what this spread is reacting to is the market believing that defense is a stable thing. And that, well, Kansas City, we know their offense is really good. But hey, like they also have a really good defense now. So we've got to make this, uh, you know, a big number because their defense is good. And I would push back on that. And I would say, look, they're missing Juan Thornhill, who was one of their most. He was a, a player that allowed them to move guys around, put Tyron Matthew Right is now in the slot has been tremendous there. He's played Juan Thornhill has been great. They don't put, have Wolf, put Kendall Fuller Kendall deep. Back. Yep. So I would like to fade the narrative that the Kansas City Chiefs defense is good. I would say that the Kansas City defense is a defense, unlike, say, the Giants defense or the Dolphins defense, which isn't a defense. It's just like hodgepodge of players out there praying that the balls get get gets thrown to them. They are real defense, but that means they're still at the mercy of a good offense. And if Will Fuller is there, that is a good offense. I would also point out that the. Um, the Buffalo Bills have a legit mm-hmm. set of talented players on the defensive end that is probably going to give, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, the, those offensive players as much trouble as they'll ever see. I don't foresee that happening with Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. And I so but to back it up a little bit, Houston does not have a defense. No, they don't. And there were some things that they did 
Saturday night that people, I think, were going to gravitate to and say this is a sign of improvement. J.J. Yeah. Watt got pressure off the edge. He's not going to get that pressure against Mitchell Schwartz. He might get some. Mitchell Schwartz is far better than that. Well, also, Pat Mahomes is far and better than Pat Mahomes is far better than Josh Allen. That. The they're healthy. Like you, you always give me flack because I, I sort of am a Sammy Watkins truther to some degree. I think Sammy is a terrific third option, and and he was great in the playoffs last year. He's as healthy as he's been all year. Demarcus Robinson, uh, Miko Hardman, who's all pro, Hardman is awesome. all pro as a rookie. Kelsey Hill, right? Like the the Houston doesn't have a chance in this game to cover these players, and then you have you know. I think Damian, if Damian Williams is their running back, I think they're fine, right? In terms of like the screen game and all that kind of stuff. I think Houston is going to be like spinning in circles trying to find these guys. And so the question, if you're trying to, for the spread, you know, you're looking at the point spread here is okay, can he, can Kansas City get three more stops in Houston? I think the answer is yes. What's the total at right now? 49. I think if I had to take one uh, part of this game, I think I would take the over. Okay, because I think I think this number is inflated a little bit because people view Kansas City's defense as being real, which I want to fade. However, there's a lot of variance with the Houston Texans offense that may make, you know, that that makes a cover on untenable in certain situations. But they may be in a situation where they just got to throw it up and hope and pray. And so So are you taking so if you had to take one, would you take Kansas City or you take Houston? I would take Kansas City. Okay. Just putting this down. You did better than me last week. Um, um, it's but, it's real tough though because I love Deshaun Watson. I right do now. too, but I it's I, nine and a half. I have right the now? receipts of both of us turning coat on him in the middle uh, of the game, and basically us being like, "This game is over." Was te- was slacked seven. But times. you even like you said you're like I, Watson's. <laughs> I'm I've done a one eighty on Watson. He's done, and then of course then after that he proves this all wrong. But the one thing that you did say on the podcast, which was great last week, Watson's running. Because he turned that game around yes. with a couple runs that were, and then in the overtime period, he had a couple of those re keeps where he was very efficient. And it was a very good point that you made. Allen, I think, is still the better runner, but Watson's running was equally as important to the team, I thought, that, than uh, well, than Allen is a was. more productive runner because he gets more chances. Right. But if you said, hey, you get one run from each of these guys, who do you want? I will take Deshaun well, Watson. Well, especially if there's a pass Ele- option to it. Right? I will take Deshaun Watson 11 yeah. times out yeah. of 10. The pass option Deshaun to Deshaun Watson is... Lamar Jackson is one with a bullet, right? Mm-hmm. The next guy on that list is Deshaun Watson, right? I think I, I would say is because it's Deshaun you Watson. add to that the possibility that he could throw, and it, it's pretty tough to deal with, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm now wavering. It's nine and a half. Yeah. You're taking the Chiefs. I'm taking Kansas City right now. Okay. I'll go Houston. Okay. I'm sticking with my guy. If Deshaun Watson is Michael Jordan, as uh, Bill o- or as Dabo Sweeney said, right? Passing on Deshaun Watson is like passing on Michael Jordan. That would make Bill O'Brien Doug Collins, I believe. Yeah. Who did not win a championship. So Sunday at noon central MJ. time. The weather is going to be about 40 degrees with 11 mile per hour winds. Not a real chance for precipitation. You got to think, though. If there's snow, there is no way on God's green earth that Bill O'Brien will have that team prepared. Yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> if there's any snow, then I will be backing Patrick Mahomes with everything that I have to my name. Yep. Um, all right. The uh, final game of the weekend is. We don't get to game. see whether or not New Orleans would be favored in Green Bay. I know. I don't think they would have been. I think it would have been a pick. So I would have had. Um, I wrote all of these down. 
I would have had Green Bay as a one-point favorite against New Orleans. I would have had them as a three-and-a-half-point favorite against Philadelphia, and I have them as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Seattle. That's a little short. The market likes Green Bay, minus four. Total on the game, 46. I, I know, man. Bring me Russell Wilson. <laughs> you have well, here's, Give me all of the Russell Wilson. Here's my question for you. Because I'm, I want to, I want to handicap this right in front of everybody here. All set. How much better of a coach is Matt Lafleur than Schottenheimer slash? He's not okay. How much better are the receivers for Green Bay than they're worse? Yeah, okay, they're worse. Does defense matter? No. Okay, so and the quarterback, Russell Wilson is played in Wisconsin for one year. He's an NC State grad, but he played in Wisconsin for one year. Russell Wilson uh, has been the best thrower of the football this season. He's the best deep ball thrower uh, of the football that we have seen in the past six years. Aaron Rodgers is right now a middle of the pack quarterback. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is not even better than Kirk Cousins right now. I agree. So I'm unless, with you. You're, unless you are Mike Renner, who thinks that Aaron Rodgers is going to put on Superman's cape and be amazing all of a sudden after being below average from a clean pocket all season. If Unless you're Mike Renner, who's you know Green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> You and you live in reality. Four is too many points. I agree. And the, I, the Green Bay Packers are the most fraudulent thirteen and three team you could possibly construct. And the the other thing, and we've talked about this before when we've looked at um, when we've looked at teams like the Rams, we've looked at teams like uh, San Francisco against Seattle, who have the Green Bay's most explosive players are running backs. Who are Seattle's best defensive players? They're linebackers. linebackers. So and safeties. Quandary Diggs came back today from all accounts, did well. I don't I see this game going under. I see this game being a slugfest. And if you tell me this game's gonna go under 46 and it's not gonna be decided by a field goal either way, you're crazy. So the for me 46? Yes. Oh my god. I will be taking Seattle and the under, and I'm yes. sure that's now gonna work out really poorly. But let me tell you how this game goes. We're going to come out, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Aikman is going to tell us that both teams running the ball is going to be a matter, <laughs> despite the fact that Seattle nearly lost the game. It was a, so bad at running. Yeah. And then um, I love Troy. By the way, his suit today was like uh, St. Patty's Day-esque. It was pretty. He's, he's ready. Pretty baller. Um, Joe Buck also gets ripped on mercilessly, despite being one of the very best good play-by-play yes. play guys yes. out there. And I will say this, I've said this before. I'll say this again. The reason that he gets ripped on is because people are so jealous of the fact that he's like a good-looking dude who has an awesome job, and people just hate it. Well, and There's he the fact that he's good-looking after growing up as Buzz from Home Alone yeah, is true. also the best. Is a is a good testament so, to him. Okay, but this here's how the game game goes. So. It uh, starts out with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith roasting the living hell out of the Seahawks offensive line. And the Seahawks. How many times is Russell Turtle in the pocket? Like three, four times. I mean, poor guy. He gets sacked like four times in the first quarter. And yet the Green Bay Packers only managed to score 10 points. So it's 10-3 going into the half. And then they come out. The Packers get the ball. They go three and out. And all of a sudden the Seahawks get more and more plays and Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith slow down a little bit and they score a touchdown and it's 10, 10 and Aaron Rodgers throws the ball away on third and five. And then all of a sudden DK Metcalf gets deep down the field. Aaron Rodgers hits him, and then it's 17, 10. And then the Packers have a couple of drives that just don't work out. They kick a field goal. They've got a chance. They need to score a touchdown. Field goal doesn't help. Aaron Rodgers throws a hail Mary. And unfortunately this one isn't caught. 
And then we have Seahawks Niners rematch. Let's Man. go. Let's go. How great would that be? Seahawks Niners in the NFC Championship game would be great. I also look. We've already seen the Packers going to San Francisco. That was an absolute atrocity. Well, and and I would say so. I was actually doing some. Well, I was doing some work this weekend. I had on the background an old Niners game. And people forget. So the Niners have owned the Packers in recent playoffs. But in the 90s, I think the worst loss in, in San Francisco 49ers history was when they lost in 95 to the Packers. It was Brett. It started Brett Favre. started Brett Favre. And I actually watched that, that game was on YouTube. I was watching it. And it was just like the, the most demoralizing game uh, if you were an Irish fan. And then, of course, they lost to them in 96. They lost to them in the 97 NFC Championship game. They were the one seed and had the had the uh, home field. So that's like a cool, like underrated rivalry there. Obviously Seahawks Niners is, is even better, but also Minnesota, Minnesota, Seattle is an, un, you know, a underrated rivalry. And then Minnesota green Bay is, you know, that's the border battle or whatever in, in Minnesota, Wisconsin. So any permutation of the NFC is going to be pretty, pretty sweet. And I think like the most likely permutation in the AFC is going to be pretty cool. You know, obviously with Kansas city, Baltimore, but even Houston, Baltimore would be great. I think the only, you know, the nut low would be Tennessee making the AFC championship game. <laughs> that would be awful. All right. So, um, so let's, let's play this out. Okay. I think San Francisco gets the W. Okay. I think that Seattle pulls the upset. I think we have San Francisco, Seattle on the NFC side. And I think, um, I think San Francisco and Jimmy G. Steamroll and then you Seattle. go KC ball on the other side. Yep. And I think that is probably the game of the playoffs right there. Mm-hmm. I think that is, um, a, it'll be interesting. What would you make the line? I would have Baltimore favored by three. And yeah. I, I will be short there. It will be more than three. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if Kansas city goes to Baltimore, I think we'll be on Kansas city. If Seattle goes to San Francisco, I think we'll be on Seattle. I think I think San Francisco would be a five and a half, six, six. And yep. a half I think it's back to six. Um, yes. And I, I still think San Francisco wins that game. Yep. But I could see us back in Seattle. Uh, I I believe that Kansas City can beat Baltimore. And partially because I don't want to be everyone, but also yep. because I do believe that as great as Lamar Jackson is, that Pat Mahomes is the better quarterback, and I'll take the better quarterback there. And I think... I think the defenses are closer than people think and matter less than people think. Absolutely. And uh, so then I would have Kansas City, San Francisco in Miami. And then we have to ask Chris for tickets. What do you, what do you think <laughs> the spread is of that? Uh, neutral field. Um, I think Kansas City be laying two and a half. Wow. See, I don't think that's the case. I think San Francisco in part because they're such a public team, but also because they are they were the better team in the regular season. I think they would be like a one and a half, two point favorite. Um, if Baltimore makes it and it's Baltimore, San Francisco, I think Baltimore would be a three, three and a half. Yes. Favorite. Well, because they were six in Baltimore. I think I don't think enough has changed over that no. course of time. So I would think it'd be we, three there. If Seattle played either Kansas City or Baltimore. Well, seven and a half <laughs> to nine. And yes. Half, somewhere between there. And I would take I would take Russ with everything in that situation. Absolutely. Because because my thing with Wilson is like. Has the every single game is like the one like so if you tease There's so we no told way. you about we told you about the Tennessee teaser which which hit right we told you about the uh, New Orleans teaser which did not but then the Seattle one right with Seattle was I believe yeah so the Philly one would have been 
They were at two, so up yep. to six out of eight would have pushed, right? So, like, Seattle just plays these games it was within two the... two and a half. Yeah, Seattle just plays these games between the eights, right? And, like, I think that that would be... You know, if you can get Seattle for anything above a touchdown, like, that's every single game for them. Like, they just don't get blown out, or they don't blow out teams. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, would you... If you're just an impartial uh, football fan, would you rather see Baltimore, San Francisco or Kansas City, San Francisco, or some other iteration. Uh, for example, I think Sean Watson in the Super Bowl would be really fun. Here's my thing. San Francisco has not won a Super Bowl since 1995. They are one of the storied franchises in the NFL. They, they, does, they, and they kind of got jobbed out of a Super Bowl in 2012. So in my opinion, they just, like, for me, from the, compel, you know, how compelling the league is, I want San Francisco to be in there, and I want, you know, I would not be upset if they won. The other thing about San Francisco that's not trivial as well is unlike Baltimore, unlike Kansas City, unlike Seattle, there's a question as to whether San Francisco's quarterback is a perennial Super Bowl quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it was much like, you know, when Arizona got in the Super Bowl like 10 years ago or whatever, I always wanted that team that I don't think is ever going to get back that to be I want them to win when they get there. You know, Tampa Bay back yeah, in the day yeah. with Brad Johnson, right? Like, not to say I think Jimmy D sucks. It's just like, this is probably San Francisco's best chance for a while. And sure. I want, and I hope okay. they capitalize. I think the Ravens, I think the Chiefs, the Seattle, they'll be back for years, I think. Okay, but I asked you what the best matchup would be. The best matchup would be San Francisco versus Baltimore. Okay. I We've already seen it. I want to see San Francisco, Kansas Okay, I, and I as an as a partial observer, I would love that too. But I I think the best matchup right now would be Baltimore Baltimore SF. The point is, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be great, and I can't wait. And uh, we'll be back with you guys on Thursday. Do we have any confessions? I don't think I have any confessions. I don't. Um, I'm trying to think what happened. I feel like something happened that I need to talk about, and I can't remember what mm, it is. Other than I, I switched locations for the second half of the Houston. Oh, game and then and it won. This is no. Okay. This is what I have. I have a story from the Cincy Y. Oh no. I sent you a picture of it. Oh, that's right. I, uh, I was in the, uh, the gym on Saturday. I put my stuff in the locker. I go work out, come back. Uh, I'd actually just gone for a swim. And <laughs> so there's like these little, you know, like corridors where the lockers are and you have to walk down yours. There is a dude in a towel laying on the floor face first like stomach down on the floor diagonally like across the 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 lane so like you can't like i had to step over the guy to get down to my locker so he's just laying there he like barely moves when i step over him to get to my locker but no it gets better so that he's there's then a guy that walks up whose locker is literally like right in front of this guy. Mm -hmm. So he's like, he's like standing, like he doesn't want to step on the dude. He's like unlocking his lock, like trying to make noise. So the guy notices that he's like right there. Dude does not flinch. When I left, he was still laying face first. First off, you could not pay me enough to lay on right, the right. floor of the Cincinnati yeah, the guy, the guy locker room. The guy probably has crabs now. I mean, holy shit. It's disgusting. But the guy didn't move. I, now, I don't know. Maybe he had some mental thing. Could've Who been. knows? I don't want to pass judgment. But if not, what the ever living shit is wrong with you? 
That's my story from the Cincy Wild. Dude. Come on, man. I, Laying on the floor. But we know, like, the people there, man, they lay, like, cheeks first on, like, a couch. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Anyways. That, right? That's my story. Oh, my it's gosh. Incre- there were also, there was not a single human being in my, uh, in my apartment gym on Friday morning when I went in there. So they lasted till Jan four, they lasted Jan three Jan four. Maybe all of them got the mirror. So they're in their apartment dancing in front of their mirror. You never know. Can you imagine dancing in front of yourself? A thousand dollars well spent for two months of exercise. All right. That was our show. This was fun. We were energized. This is we great. We'll be back energized as usual. Uh, Thursday we'll be doing remote. I'll be in Las Vegas. Don't remind me. So, you never know. Maybe I'll be mid-laugh dance at that point. We'll cut that part. We'll see you guys. Peace out. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.